1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. So I'd love for you to take your Bible out and follow along with us as we walk through this section of Scripture talking about the quality construction that is necessary in, in our lives as believers and in God's church. So 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 17, and really the usual explanation of this passage that we're looking at today is that it describes the building of our Christian lives. We all build on <laughs> Christ, but some people use good materials, while others use poor materials. So the kind of material you use determines the kind of reward you get. And that's kind of the application of this passage that many share. And we'll look at that in a bit. But the truth is, is that's not what Paul is talking about here. He is not talking about how we as individuals build our lives in Christ. Paul is discussing here the building of the local church, the temple of God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the individual believer is God's temple. But here it's all talking about this local assembly that's in view, the, the church in Corinth, or for us today, the church at West Hills. In Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22, the whole church is compared to a temple of God. And Paul points out that one day God will judge our labors, yes, but our labors as related to the local assembly. Have you ever thought of it that way? Because he actually is stating that here, the fire will test the quality of each man's work. And he's not talking about individuals. He's talking about the individuals within the body of Christ in the church. God is concerned that we build with quality. The church does not belong to the preacher. And the church does not belong to the congregation. The church belongs to God. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, the church is God's building. And if we're going to build the local church the way God wants us to build it, it has to be under certain conditions. Yesterday, I was at a church giving a training. There were about 70, 80 people there, and I was at this church in Pasadena. And this church had been around, the building had been around since 1910, 1915 there in beautiful downtown Pasadena and that church had been through every known earthquake on the face of the planet over you know the last hundred years and so I asked the person that was letting us use that church I said so how often have you guys had to fix this place with different earthquakes and stuff like that and he's like never I would say that church was built well. Quality construction. Well, obviously, this has nothing to do with the physical. 
This has everything to do with the spiritual. And spiritually, we must meet certain conditions, but we have to have this quality that Paul is talking about here, starting in verse 10. Everything must be built on the right foundation. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation to the church is Jesus Christ. And and when Paul came to Corinth, he determined, as we saw earlier in this letter, that I came to preach Christ and him crucified. That's the foundation. When I came to you, brothers, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, I did not come with superiority of word or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the witness of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, Paul laid the only foundation to the church that will last. In about 30 years of of being a pastor now, I have seen a lot of churches try to build on people, maybe a famous pastor or preacher, or a special method, or maybe a doctrinal emphasis in one area that they felt was important. But even in the those ministries don't last. The Corinthians were emphasizing personalities as we've seen Paul and Peter and Apollos. And they should have been glorifying Jesus. And that's it. The foundation is laid by the proclaiming of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The foundation is the most important part of the building because it actually does determine the the size and the shape and the strength of the superstructure of the church. A, A ministry may seem to be successful for a time, but if it's not founded on Christ, it will eventually collapse and disappear. I have a privilege to help lead Child Evangelism Fellowship here in California. It's been around 85 years now. And it's the largest children's ministry in the world, but it isn't done by a lot of tricks. If you ever want, you can ask me, and you can see the doctrinal statement that CEF has had for, I think, 65 years since they put it together. They're like, yeah, we probably should have one just to make sure we've laid the right foundation. And they haven't had to change it. You know why? It's from the Bible. Its foundation is on Christ. And the ministry hasn't wavered off of the truth of the gospel. It's not rocket science. 
if a ministry is not founded on Christ, it will eventually collapse and disappear. I had a person grab me yesterday at this training I was at. She sat down, can, can, I, can I just, I need to unload on you. I'm like, great, what did I say? And she just started crying. I was like, okay. And she's like, my, my church has blown up. My church voted our pastor out because he wouldn't say it's okay to have same-sex marriage. And he said that it's not okay to live life as a gender that you weren't born as. And they voted him out. And the denomination has taken over and they're putting a lady in that's married to another lady as their pastor. And she's bawling. May I remind you that if a ministry is not founded on the gospel of Christ and his word, it will eventually collapse and disappear. And I just, I, I consoled her for 30 minutes, and I was like, you do realize you need to go to a new church, because the thing you're going to right now is not a church. It's a social club following the whims of the world. She's like, I know, I just, I just never thought it would happen to us. This is why this stuff's important, everyone. This is why it's important. You see, you've got to build with the right materials. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will indicate it because it is revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which has built on, he has built on it remains, it will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Do you not know that you are a sanctuary of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You know, Paul describes there are two opposite kinds of materials. You know, you've got this gold and the silver and the precious stones, and they symbolized something very important in that culture, and even today. It's permanent. It's beautiful. It's valuable. It's hard to obtain. And then you have the other type, that we see throughout scripture of wood and, and, and hay and, and, and stubble. And those things are passing, they're temporary, they're ordinary, can be even ugly. It's cheap and it's easy to obtain. And why did Paul want to symbolize this building on the foundation of Christ in the church with these materials? Because he's not talking about people here, because Christians are, are the living stones that make up God's temple. You find that in 1 Peter chapter 2. 
I, I really believe here that Paul is referring to the doctrines of the Word of God. And each section of this letter and of this chapter, the Word of God is symbolized in a way that fits the image that Paul used. The, the Word is food for the family and seed for the field and materials for the temple. The book of Proverbs presents the wisdom of the Word of God as a treasure to be sought, to be protected, to be invested in the daily life. Proverbs 3, 13, happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain more than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Well, what type of wisdom is he talking about? The wisdom of God. Proverbs 2, my son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments within you so that you will incline your ear into wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. If you cry out for knowledge, you lift your voice for understanding. If you seek it as silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then shall the understanding, the fear of the Lord happen. And you will find the knowledge of God. I love that picture. It's like mining for the precious metals in God's word. Proverbs 8, receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. And when you remember that Paul here back in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians has been writing about wisdom in these first few chapters, it's easy to see the connection. The Corinthians were trying to build their lives and build their church by man's wisdom, the wisdom of the world, and they should have been depending on the wisdom of God. As found in the Word, and you find it by reading it, and you mine it, and you dig into it, and you understand it. We must dig deep into Scripture, everyone. This is a church. This is one of the distinctions of our church here at West Hills. We dig into Scripture. And it's not just because we want to figure out what it says. We want to build on it. Yes, build our lives personally, but build God's church to be the light to this community because the world is spewing stuff that doesn't work. We dig for scriptures, mine out the precious gold and silver and jewels of it, build on the truths into the lives of the people. D.L. Moody used to say this, and I think it's a great way to understand this, that Christians should be weighed as well as counted. Some of you are like, I don't want to be weighed. No, thank you. So we do have some scales outside. No. 
But you know what he means, right? God is interested in quality and quantity. And Paul makes it clear that you can have both. The faithful Christian can work in the mission field of life and see increase and he can, she or she can build with the word of God and see the beauty and the lasting blessings that come from that. It is a serious thing to be a part of the building of God's temple. And 1 Corinthians 16 and 17 warns us of that that we'll look at here in a second. And I think Paul is saying that each of us builds into the church what we build into our lives. Amy Carmichael, missionary to India, used to say, the work will never go deeper than we have gone ourselves. So when we end up tearing down our own lives, blowing ourselves up, listening to the wisdom of the world instead of God's wisdom, we will fail to build into God's church the values that will last, and then you will see what happened to this beautiful lady yesterday in the loss of her church. This is real time, folks. This is, this is happening everywhere as we speak. There's more than a church a day in the United States that is closing its doors. Now, I would argue that's probably a good thing because most of them were not built on the right foundation. You know what? I am totally okay if I do not look very successful to men and their philosophy. I am totally okay with that. Because we're going to be put to the fire. And on that day, unfortunately, some ministers are going to go up and smoke. There were a bunch of young church leaders that went to a very successful church pastor, and they were asking him the secret of his pulpit success. People loved his sermons. And he said, I always say to them the same thing, work, hard work, and again, work. And what he was referring to was that he was in his study at 6 o'clock every morning digging out the treasures found in Scripture. Because the truth is, is you can find wood and hay and stubble in any old backyard. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort to pick it up and to use it. But if you want gold, if you want silver, if you want jewels, if you want the precious materials of God's word, you got to dig for them. It matters what God's church is built out of. 
And we see the devastation of the building then in verse 16. Do you not know that you are a sanctuary of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the sanctuary of God, God will destroy him, for the sanctuary of God is holy, and this is what you are. So, this is why some people will do the application in this. is like, so God's talking to individuals here. Paul's talking to individuals here. But Paul is actually challenging the church with the fact that they are together. The word you there, if you don't realize this in English, we have a slight problem with plural stuff. That is why in the South, they have this word. They'll say it's a word. We'll say it's a combination of words. And you may know what I'm talking about. Y'all. Right? And it's because in the English, we have this absence of the second person plural, you. But in Greek, you do not. So when they translate this into English, where it says you here, this is actually plural in the original language. So this is talking to the church, not to an individual. Now this kind of changes it a little bit. He's challenging the church with the fact that they together are the spiritual temple of God because God, the Spirit of God, dwells in them. We see that in Ephesians 2 that we looked at earlier today and read a portion of. In whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So those who build this temple in a junky way, deserve the destruction of their doctrine and their false testimony as described in verse 15. This warning is against false teachers, against churches that are emphasizing things not of the gospel. And Paul states that anyone who actually destroys or tends to destroy God's temple will be destroyed by God. I don't want to be there for that. And why? Because God's temple is sacred. God's temple, his church, is set apart for holiness. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation. What is that talking about? Oh, Jesus! Firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. You can say any type of weirdness going out on the wor- in the world, but if my foundation is in Christ alone, guess what? I will stand the winds of the culture, the foam of the babble of our world. Revelation 3.12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the sanctuary of my God. And he will never go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. God 
God's church is an extension of who he is and his justice and his holiness. And God will not allow any part of his holy work to be damaged without frying what's bad. And it's a fitting warning. So here are the applications, everyone, of what we just looked at. As I said earlier, collectively, this is talking about all of us as the temple of God together. But as I said earlier, 1 Corinthians 6 does make it clear that each one of us individually are also the temple of God. And as such, there are things that we need to be doing in order to make sure that this is built right, I need to be built right. Does that make sense? Verse 18 and 20, you can jump over in chapter 6. Flee from sexual immorality. Isn't it interesting? Now, in Corinth, they, the culture there, they were chin deep in sexual immorality junk. Man, that sounds familiar. Flee from sexual immorality. He who sins sexually against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. What does our culture say? My body, my choice. My feelings, how I feel. It's all about me. What does scripture say? You are not your own. Which one's right? I'm, I'm going I'm to go with God. I'm going to go with the God side of that. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Who's supposed to be the cornerstone of my life? Christ. Why? Because he paid everything for me. Because he knew I couldn't make it to heaven on my own. Therefore, glorify God with your body. He's saying there, each Christian individually is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We have the indwelling Spirit in us, as a matter of fact. Romans 8 says, if you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're not a Christian. So if you are born again, you have the Spirit living in you individually. So listen up, everyone, very carefully here. Do not be deceived. If you're not yet a Christian, do not be deceived about the world's apparent dominant wisdom. Don't be deceived by it. It's an illusion. It's a terrible foundation. Tell me why, everyone. Tell me why, with the acceptance of all things that are being accepted now, why is the suicide rate still skyrocketing more and more up? It's because 
this truth the world is teaching is an illusion and it doesn't work and it leaves you empty and you have no foundation. And we're called to love the people that are hurting through all of this. You see, the powerful and influential people of this world, they seem brilliant in many ways. They may have wealth in many different ways, but all of it fades away. No one gets to hitch a U-Haul to the hearse and take it with them. If you don't know Christ, if you're without him, you're not saved, and you pass away with nothing as a foundation. You see, this whole text is all about living a godly life in a solid church life in a fallen world, because that's what Corinth was. And its text calls us to become a fool for Christ. We need to turn our backs on worldly wisdom and run to the cross. Run to Jesus. See, the gospel is this, everyone. Someone asked me yesterday, how often should we share the gospel? I was like, uh, every time? Well, won't they get sick of hearing it? No. Why? Because it's the foundation. And if we don't share the foundation, the whole thing falls apart. I don't care how many times someone tells me about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to hear it every single time. It's not a sermon without it, in my opinion. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life, who died an atoning death on the cross for sinners like you, for sinners like me. And all we need to do is trust in him and our sins are forgiven. That seems foolish, but sign me up for being a fool for Christ. Because see, the second part of this application is that the foundation is ultimately what stabilizes and unifies us. In the previous chapter, Paul mentions that he might have been the one who planted the seed, but Apollos watered it, and ultimately God made everything grow. Remember us talking about that? In the same way, Paul might have laid the foundation here, but someone else, maybe Apollos or other leaders, uh, were building upon that foundation. Paul is saying that the church is a building project. We need to all participate in building this with our respective responsibilities, just as we are invested in building our marriages, our relationships, our friendships, our careers. We need to be equally, if not more, involved in building God's church. A community of God's grace. A community that lets people know that you are important. You're so important that Jesus died for you. The foundation then is laid by all of us proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Third, God takes his building 
his dwelling place seriously. He takes his people seriously. I am, I rest in the fact that I know that God says, don't mess with Scott. He's mine. Oh, you may kill him. You may tar and feather him. You may throw him in prison, but you cannot destroy him. He is mine. And he will always be with me. I love that promise. You see, he reserves destruction for something different. For those who deceive, for those who destroy his people, his temple. God has called us to be craftsmen, to build, to cultivate, to craft his temple. Some may try to do God's work their way, according to their wisdom, and they may think they're wise, but at the end of the day, that's the height of foolishness because they're actually working against God. You see, the church in Corinth was trying to build their lives and the church by man's wisdom, the wisdom of this world, when they should have been depending on the wisdom of God. As found in his word. And I think it's very important for us to remember as we close the day here that you can find cheap building materials anywhere. Wood, hay, stubble. You can find it in your backyard of your life. It doesn't take much effort to pick it up, try to use it, build something. But when the big bad wolf comes by and blows on it, what happens? It falls over. If you want the precious word of the Lord working in your heart, dig for it. The gold, the silver, the jewels, you've got to dig for it. You've got to spend time in his word. You've got to spend time with God's people. You've got to proclaim the message of Christ. And you've got to be surely anchored to the foundation of Jesus Christ. That is the quality construction of the church. And then, of course, your own life.